This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Today is Thursday, April 6th, 2023. Republican district attorneys signal that they want to prosecute Joe Biden. Baby, 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 hit me one more time. Corporate media and Democrats rip Alvin Bragg's weak case as it opens a Pandora's box. And Mike Cernovich, the great Cernovich, joins the show. My name is Benny Johnson, and this is The Benny Show. You don't want to miss news right now, and you certainly want to stay connected, and you don't want to give money to woke corporations. And so, ladies and gentlemen, Patriot Mobile, I drink from this mug every single day. It's even got my name on it. Look at that. Patriot Mobile is what we use not just to drink caffeine for news cycles like this. Man, we have been live like 72 hours straight. We use it to gather news in these news cycles because it is deeply dependable coverage, the most dependable coverage you can ask for on all three major networks. You can get the best possible coverage and service in your area. Plus, they offer a coverage guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, switch for free. All this with the knowledge that you're supporting a free speech, sanctity of life, Second Amendment, and military and first responders-based company. They're 100% U.S.-based, so use Patriot Mobile. Make the switch today, patriotmobile.com slash Benny. Call them right now at 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the off-code Benny, patriotmobile.com slash Benny. Ladies and gentlemen, turnabout is fair play. We told you this was going to backfire. It always backfires, always. Back in 2013, Harry Reid decided to nuke the filibuster. Now, this seems like a mundane, uh, very parliamentary move. What does this mean? The judicial filibuster, whatever, who cares? It directly led to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. This is the domino meme where you have the little domino and the really big ones. Harry Reid said, I'm going to nuke the judicial filibuster. We're just going to get judicial nominees onto the bench with simple majorities in the Senate. And to his credit, Mitch McConnell at that time, don't praise Mitch McConnell on the show very much, but Mitch McConnell at that time said something very prescient. He said, you're going to regret this. This is going to bite you right in the ass and it's going to hurt. And then just a few short years later, Donald Trump has a majority on the Supreme Court, has 250 appointed federal judges across the nation. And so these kind of things spin around real fast and boomerang and crack you right in the nose. And now we found out this morning at light speed, they just arrested Trump on Tuesday at light speed. We find out that the district attorneys from Republican parts of the state. Oh, by the way, have you checked a map of America recently? Do you see what America looks America's like a big red country with little blue dots in it. These little blue dots that destroy good states like Illinois, destroy good states like Minnesota or Wisconsin or Michigan. These teeny little cancerous blue dots that destroy otherwise good states. But most of that area is red and controlled by us. And now it's time, ladies and gentlemen, for the revenge tour. James Comer, the man who is in charge of the investigation into Biden's criminality, is saying that Republican district attorneys are now calling him saying, yo, hey, uh, what up, James? Uh, this whole situation where we uh, prosecute and investigate a president, we can do that too, right? Okay, why don't you hand over all of the evidence about Joe Biden's crimes? 
Let's start bringing some civil suits, not federal election suits. Let's bring some civil suits against the Biden crime family. Hot damn, ladies and gentlemen. We predicted it. We saw it. This is happening, however, faster than we ever dreamed it would happen. James Comer saying, uh, get ready for a slew, an avalanche of Republican DAs, district attorneys going after Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and all the like. Alvin Bragg doesn't even know where his funding comes from, uh, but he gets federal funding. And that's where it falls into the jurisdiction of the House Oversight Committee. The weaponization of his office is how it falls into both the Judiciary Committee and the, the Select Committee on the weaponization of the Department of Justice. So uh, we're we're not going to stop on this. Nothing changed. We believe that he's overstepped. And I'll tell you one of the things that I don't think has been picked up a lot that, that's going to be a problem. And I had two calls yesterday, one from a county attorney in Kentucky and one from a county attorney in Tennessee. They they were Republican, obviously, both states are heavily Republican. They want to know if there are ways they can go after the Bidens now. And they've opened up yep. a can of worms. They've set precedents now that we can't go back on. And now we're going to see a, a judicial system that's already bogged down with with doing what they're supposed to do. And that's going after real criminals, uh, people that are uh, committing real crime, burglaries, rape, uh, robberies, things like that. And now you're going to start seeing ambitious political people like Alvin Bragg try to make a name for themselves and go after big pie in the sky federal cases. Okay, right. And it's just not a good path that we need to, uh, to, to go forward on in our judiciary. My God, it's happening. And quickly, ladies and gentlemen, the turnabout is fair play. The revenge is going to boomerang, crack them right in the nose, and it is going to be beautiful because a lot of these people have actually committed real crimes, right? Hillary Clinton has committed real crimes. The criminal, the Clinton Foundation is a criminal foundation, and it's located in Little Rock, Arkansas. Do you know that Little Rock, Arkansas has a district attorney who is a far right-wing MAGA supporter? That state is run by Sarah Sanders. Careful. Careful. We might just find out who killed Jeffrey Epstein. Jesse Waters, somebody who we interact with a lot on Twitter, somebody who I think does an exceptional job on Fox News with his show, talks about a lot of things you're really not supposed to talk about, has a very entertaining show, uh, was straight out with this, saying, it is now time. Take the gloves off. Let's go bare knuckle on this thing. Jesse Waters, it's time to start investigating Democrats on a district attorney level. We have the majority of district attorneys in this country. Republicans are the majority office holders for district attorney seats in this country. That's why Soros is trying to take them over. George Soros, just to let you know how scared they are of this tactic, George Soros put millions of dollars against a district attorney race in Little Rock, Arkansas. And what does that tell you? They're playing defense. They know what we could do to them based on this new precedent. Jesse Waters, take it away. We're out for revenge now. And they're not going to get away with this. Paul Sperry wrote a great piece in the Post today. It's open season on Democrats. Republican DAs and prosecutors now have the green light to take down top Democrats. Here's the difference. We don't have to trump up charges. Their crimes are clear. Biden's brother, Jimmy DeChin. He's been accused of defrauding healthcare companies in Florida, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Alabama. It's a crime spree. Sounds like it's time for four grand juries. It's time for Republican AGs and Republican prosecutors in these states to open up investigations. How has Jimmy the Chin not already been indicted? 
He's a hot mess. And then you have the Clintons in Arkansas. That's the mother load. The Clinton Foundation has offices in Little Rock. That thing's one big graft machine. Can a Republican DA in Arkansas look into Crooked's books? The foundation's an international conspiracy and money laundering op. Why can't the Clintons get fingerprinted? Are all their ledgers clean? And that's just local. Once Republicans take back the White House, are you ready? The president can sick the SEC on Nancy. Pelosi's been insider trading for decades, right in our face. And then you move on Hunter. Interstate sex trafficking, the missing Chinese diamond, tax evasion. Follow the money because it leads to the big guy. Follow the money because it leads to the big guy. What's to stop him? What's to stop him? I want to focus here on Arkansas because I know Sarah Sanders very closely and because I've been to Little Rock a couple of times, done some work there. Uh, I've moved from the Northeast and from the Midwest. I was raised in Iowa and then I lived in D.C. respectively uh, for 20 years and then I moved down here to the South, man. This is living. I love it down here. You know who also lives in the South? Laura Trump. Laura Trump joined the show yesterday. I asked her directly, why not investigate the Clinton Crime Foundation that exists in Little Rock? Seems like, you know, jurisdiction comes from where a crime is committed, okay? So who has jurisdiction over the Clinton Foundation? A far-right, red-blooded, MAGA Republican district attorney in Little Rock, run by a state that voted for Trump by 35 points. Sarah Sanders, the spokesperson for Trump, well, she's the governor of Arkansas. So let's go. Laura, Laura Trump had this to say when I said, why not investigate the Clintons? Really, how would you go after them? And there's a deep red MAGA state run by one of your best friends, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Inside of Arkansas, there's a district attorney that oversees the county where the Clinton Foundation is founded and currently resides. So the Clinton Foundation is, of course, the most fraudulent, called the most fraudulent organization uh, to ever exist. It's called a nonprofit. It is anything but. It is the largest money laundering scandal possibly in American history of foreign dollars and cash directly to the Clintons. Um, why not look into that? Would you be in favor of that? Yes. If it is the Clinton Foundation and if they have done something wrong, we should know about it. And, and I think the American people deserve to know that, no doubt. And I would be in favor of that. Check out this article here in the New York Post. So this is called the Pandora's Box, the Pandora's Box, because the legal theory here essentially means that any district attorney can charge any person in the Democrat Party of any crime. Of course, they just did this to Donald Trump. And we're going to go through the, Mike Cernovich has an incredible piece on this. He's joining the show soon. Uh, just one of the best commentators on this just absolutely destroys the legal theory created here. Uh, now, what does that mean? The vast majority of district attorneys are Republican and the vast majority of states are red states in these United States. They're playing a very dangerous game. The article goes on to say, let's take the Clinton Foundation. Described by whistleblowers as the largest unprosecuted fraud ever, Bill and Hillary Clinton registered as tax-exempt charity and have used it as their own personal piggy bank. The foundation keeps offices in Little Rock, Arkansas, where Pulaski County DA Will Jones is a Republican who beat a Soros-backed Democrat for the job. He'll be able to get a get creative with a tax fraud case against the Clintons who have potentially stiffed millions in local coffers 
Over objections to local anti-tax advocates, Clinton's illegally pressured the Little Rock officials to float close to $20 million in bonds to buy the land to construct the Clinton Presidential Library. Hmm, interesting. Obama's doing the exact same thing in Chicago right now. There's massive backlash. Other red states could manufacture indictments against Democrats, including Florida and Tennessee, where Biden's brother Jimmy has gotten into hot water for defrauding a healthcare company. Very interesting. Ted Cruz, who is a great fighter, but also a lawyer and somebody who's argued before the Supreme Court, somebody who's clerked at the Supreme Court, a very smart legal mind, is saying if there's no statute of limitations here, you know, the statute of limitations, of course, for a misdemeanor, which is what they're charging Trump with, the statute of limitations is two years. Apparently, Trump's crimes happened in 2016. So if there's no statute of limitations any longer to bring cases and indict people, well, then Hillary Clinton is next on the menu. Ted Cruz, take it away. Is crap. Um, and one of the most important points, and it's one I've made a couple of times on this podcast. If this is a crime, if this is a felony that someone should go to jail for, then Hillary Clinton committed the exact same crime. Because at the exact same time, Hillary Clinton's campaign paid over a million dollars. You're not exaggerating to say exact same no. time. 2016 presidential campaign, her campaign was making the Steele dossier. The Democratic yep. National Committee was helping pay for yep. this. She was paying for this out of the campaign finance, you know, their campaign. She had lawyers involved that were doing yep. this and trying to sell this. Literally, it's exact same time frame. So her campaign spent over $1 million to create the Steele dossier. The Steele dossier, you remember, is this scurrilous and scandalous dossier assembled in Europe that, that alleged all these things that Trump had done, including the famous P-tape, all of which was fiction, yeah. all of which was false. It was made up. Brought to you and paid for by the Democratic Party and Hillary yes, Clinton it, for president. It, it, it was and— the Hillary Clinton campaign recorded that over a million dollars as legal fees. So if recording something as legal fees that is not legal fees in the context of a presidential campaign is criminal in Manhattan, then Hillary Clinton, a resident of New York, committed the same crime at the exact same time, 2016, in the exact same place. Just so that you have reference to what they're talking about. If you don't uh, necessarily follow the Federal Election Commission news violation column tab inside of your favorite news sources, check this out. This is from Jack Posobiec. This is articles from the Associated Press. Breaking last year, Hillary Clinton quietly settled a campaign finance violation over reporting on the Steele dossier funding as legal services. She paid a fine and was never arrested. Check out these headlines. DNC campaign to agree... Steele dossier, funding fine. She had to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. The Clinton campaign hired uh, Perkins Coie, then hired Fusion GPS, a research and intelligence firm, to conduct opposition research into Donald Trump. But the FEC claims on the form they classified the spending as legal services. So not only did they do the same thing that Donald Trump did, they did far worse than what Donald Trump did because they're not rewriting campaign election law here. The worst you could possibly get Trump with is that he used personal funds for a personal matter. They're totally rewriting FEC campaign law here. And that is why the FEC themselves, the FEC themselves is saying this is not a campaign violation. The breaking news here is absolutely wild. A key member of the Federal Election Commission's today rejected the Manhattan District Attorney's indictment of former President Donald Trump as a violation of federal election laws. 
This is not a campaign finance violation. It's not a reporting violation of any kind. This is the FEC commissioner, James E. Trey Trainer, trying to stretch the law to make it into a violation. He added, District Attorney Alvin Bragg is really trying to make a square peg fit into a round hole. Trust me, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. FEC commissioner, James Trainer, ain't a Republican. He don't wear a red hat to work every single day. Neither is Andy McCarthy. Andy McCarthy writes for National Review. He's a great legal mind, but he's not a Trump supporter. And he was on Fox saying, uh, yo, listen, if this is the game you want to play, Democrats are going down and they're going down in flames. Watch. You look at it as a criminal justice matter. Uh, I frankly don't. I think the problem here is that we're looking at Bragg nominally. He is the district attorney. But in point of fact, he's an elected progressive Democrat who ran on a camp, who ran on a platform of getting this one guy as if he's like Leventi Berrien. It's you show me the man. I'll, I'll show you the crime. I mean, that's what that's what this <laughs> smacks of. And it's not only that legally it doesn't stand up in the sense that he doesn't even plead an actual crime here, even though he says he's pleading 34 crimes. The story is incoherent. Because what he says in the factual description is that by doing these things, what Trump did was basically defraud the public into electing him in 2016. In point of fact, if Trump had assumed that these hush money arrangements were, in fact, campaign finance, uh, campaign uh, donations, that they were in-kind campaign uh, expenditures. If that had actually happened and he said to his people, I think we need to be careful here to compl comply with the campaign finance laws. These arrangements were cut or made days before the 2016 election, which means under the federal campaign laws, he wouldn't have had to disclose until months into 2017. So even if he had treated these things like campaign finance violations, the election would have been long over by the time they'd been disclosed. It is. It is wild. Um, Andy McCarthy, thank you. Right. So, ladies and gentlemen, of course, this entire case is falling apart. Not even Democrats are defending this. Not even the White House is doing a victory lap here. I think the White House is acting quite scared. Uh, cring cringe Jean Pierre. We call her cringe Jean Pierre on this show. We'll just shorten that to cringe. So cringe was at the uh, White House yesterday and was asked directly, uh, when will Joe Biden be indicted by a Republican DA. Are you a little concerned about that? You know, there's more Republican DAs than there are Democrat DAs in this country. And Democrats actually commit crimes. Joe Biden actually commits crimes. He's head of a crime family. And we're going to get to that in just a second here. Some of the new revelations about what Joe Biden was doing as the kingpin of this crime family. Uh, let me tell you, the White House didn't have a great answer to this. Watch this clip and see if uh, cringe looks a little scared. Today, this is our nuclear cringe. Biden is a lawyer. Is he and, and the president of the United States and the commander in chief, but go ahead. He is, but uh, as a lawyer, is he concerned at all that a local DA indicting a former president could down the line open up the possibility, set the precedent, that local DAs that don't like former President Biden could indict him. I'm not going to comment from here. 
Why don't you have more to say about the Trump indictment? It is an ongoing um, case, and I've been very clear about that. We've been prudent about that, not commenting on ongoing cases, well, and we're going to stick to that. But for better or worse, all that anybody in the country is talking about at this exact moment while we are in here is Trump. And they look here to find out what the White House thinks about it and well, I think the American people should feel reassured that when there is an ongoing case like this one, that we're just not commenting. And so does the lack of comment mean that you do not think anything happening in New York today is one of the top issues facing the country at the moment? That's your assessment. Uh, that's not my assessment. I'm just laying out the facts that we are just not going to comment on an ongoing uh, case from here. And we've been very consistent. We've been very prudent. And we're going to stick there. Do you, you see the fear? Can you smell it? Can you smell the fear? I can smell it. You can smell it all the way across the street on CNN. Of course, CNN would never ask a question like that. They're right there in the front of the briefing. They have a question every single briefing. CNN, why don't you ask these questions? Well, because many CNN commentators, and we played you an entire series of clips yesterday, are saying this is trash, including, but not limited to, TDS totally psychopathic lawyer, Andrew McCabe, who was fired. His ass was fired by Donald Trump. He's sitting there saying, this is an embarrassment. This indictment is, is really bad, and it's bad for our side. Jake Tapper has come out, multiple legal professionals on CNN. CNN is actually trying so hard to, I guess, own the cons on this that they're bringing on Mike Davis. But it didn't go great for them. Mike Davis is, of course, our in-house attorney for this show. Mike Davis is a fantastic lawyer. He made his debut appearance on CNN. This is the man who is behind the Donald Trump Supreme Court, the architect, nay, I say, of the Donald Trump Supreme Court. He brought in the Kavanaugh nomination. He brought in the Gorsuch nomination. Mike Davis, uh, one of the best legal professionals on our side, and says he will become the acting attorney general under Donald Trump. Oh, man, we expect that to happen, and that will be super glorious. Until that day, what was super glorious is that Mike Davis was on CNN yesterday, and he had this to say, and it burnt the network to the ground. As you well know, the former president has a fervent, devout group of followers. You know that. Well, I mean, are these the same followers who tried to kill Justice Kavanaugh in his home? Okay, I mean, we're, this, th this we're is focusing ridiculous. on this topic. We're focusing on this topic. But how much of this has to do with trying to get the judge off of this case, in your view? Well, I mean, if the judge has the appearance of bias, which I, I, it looks like he does, he donated to Joe Biden's campaign, he should get off this case. And this judge has a history with President Trump in prior cases. So, so maybe that's what President Trump is referring to. Yeah. Hey, guys, it's all falling to pieces. This dog don't hunt. It's becoming an embarrassment. And they're showing you their hand here. It's wonderful to go and look. If you really are eagle-eyed, you can see ABC News blurring out Donald Trump's donation link, election interference by ABC, when Donald Trump gave his epic speech at Mar-a-Lago on Tuesday night, traveled back to Mar-a-Lago. We had people there in the audience. Apparently, Donald Trump was DJ, started playing Elvis. King recognized King. Donald Trump gave, I would argue, possibly the best speech of his career. I don't know. I don't know. It's a close one. Top three for certain. ABC blurred out 
his fundraising link. Look at that. Uh, no such treatment is given to Joe Biden, of course. Rachel Maddow made it very, very simple for all of us because when Donald Trump was giving that speech, Rachel Maddow had an apoplectic seizure, a panic attack live on air because the speech was so good. She decided to rip the feed, cut the feed. Watch Rachel Maddow, someone we lovingly refer to as Pee Wee Herman on this show, uh, uh, have a uh, ap absolute epileptic seizure on MSNBC when Donald Trump was making really great points to a raucous room at Mar-a-Lago is making remarks tonight um, from his home in Florida. As far as we can tell, and what we were prepared for here is that this is basically a campaign speech in which he is repeating his same lies and allegations against his perceived enemies. It is just getting started. Um, so far, he's just giving his normal list of grievances. We don't consider that necessarily newsworthy, and there's a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. So uh, our deal with you is that we will monitor these remarks. If he does say anything newsworthy, we will turn them around and report on that right away. But uh, uh, for now, just know that it's happening and we're not taking it. We're not, we're not taking it, says Pee Wee Herman as he rings his little bell on his bike and runs away. Uh, he did say something newsworthy, actually. Donald Trump broke news in that speech. Donald Trump had a lot of great lines, but he broke news saying that he was offered a plea agreement by Bragg in order to essentially plead out as guilty in this case. And Donald Trump said, uh, hell no, you're going to take this one to trial. Bam. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So that's a piece of breaking news. They tried to get Donald Trump to plead out. And he said, no, baby, we're going to trial with this. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. Donald Trump's uh, Donald Trump's lawyers are saying they're going to get it dismissed. They seem very, very confident in that. Everyone, everything is falling to pieces on this. Multiple Democrat lawyers wrote in the Wall Street Journal today. We thought this was of note. Uh, the Trump indictment accelerates America's race to the bottom. This is written by Democrat attorneys, Biden supporters, saying the demonization of political opponents is entering the next depressing but predictable phase. The use of the most partisan parts of the criminal justice system to arrest and prosecute political opponents on flimsy charges. Too much of the public increasingly divorced from bedrock national values is cheering it on. Is the logistical extension, ladies and gentlemen, of the worst elements inside of the fascistic Democrat Party. Fox News was covering this. The straight reporters uh, on Fox News also saying that like, these, Demo these Democrats are essentially setting a trap that is going to uh, clap back and ensnare all of them. Watch. The use of the most partisan parts of the criminal justice system to arrest and prosecute political opponents on flimsy charges. Too much of the public, increasingly divorced from bedrock national values, is cheering it on. How do you see it this morning? Well, listen, good morning. I think that this tracks with a lot of the experts that we've been um, listening to on all sides, uh, saying that the Alvin Bragg's indictment is does not deliver. It's underwhelming. But this goes further, and this is that it is divisive and bad for the country. And two Democrats writing that is significant. I will say that, um, you know, there are a lot of people looking to this, uh, saying this is also a Sixth Amendment issue. He doesn't know exactly why. Uh, 
what is the underlying cause for the accusation? Uh, what lifts up a misdemeanor that would have been a statute of limitations limited uh, to a felony? And that is yet to be seen. So we've been talking about that for a couple of days, but this is more to the political tearing the country apart, which is already pretty divided. Yeah, it's a really interesting piece to our viewers at home. Check it out. There's one paragraph there that lists numerous infractions they believe that were committed by both sides over the past. Yeah, it goes through and it says that Hillary Clinton did far worse than Donald Trump. And oh, by the way, uh, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg has jurisdiction over these crimes because Hillary Clinton committed them in New York. This is an actual real case. This Hillary Clinton ran her campaign out of Manhattan, out of Alvin Bragg's district, where he's from, Brooklyn's offices. That was where Hillary Clinton's campaign was headquartered. So where are the charges against Hillary? Nope. Slap on the wrist. Little fine. Let her go. Cash Patel. And we like showing you both sides, right? So even on the even on the conservative taco sphere, we like showing you both sides, the straight news, Fox reporters versus Cash Patel, friend of the show, who's just absolutely going bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-S on Truth Social. Hey, Congress. State prosecutors just charged a federally elected official with bogus election fraud conspiracy. You realize that you could be next in this two-tiered system on your watch. Investigate now. Don't know how? Call me. Red state AGs, where are you? Care to impanel grand juries on the illegality of Soros funding rogue prosecutors to interfere in elections? Yeah, how do foreign billionaires get to take over American elections? Seems like a very bad idea. Especially a guy who's straight up said that he is intending on collapsing the system here in America and destroying the dollar. You think he's doing a great job at that? Who's going to win on that one? Unless we get smart, they will win. Evil will win. So Cash Patel saying, now is the time. It's go time. And also, where is the crime? Technofog's wonderful account. We follow them. He looked through the entire indictment. Something's missing in this indictment, he tweets. The specified federal law that Trump violated. There is nothing there. However, there is something on the other foot. The hand is on the other foot now, as they say. Kathy Chung refutes classified docs claim by the Biden regime locked in closet spin. So James Comer is now looking at the classified documents because, of course, our federal government won't. Joe Biden is being federally investigated right now for his handling of classified documents, along with Donald Trump. Joe Biden's son is being criminally investigated we will wait, I guess, until I'm a skeleton sitting here in this chair covered in cobwebs for them to bring charges against Hunter Biden, one of the most open criminals of our political era. 450 different federal crimes violated, according to the Marco Polo Association. So what's going on here? What's going on down in Chinatown? Well, I lived and worked in Washington, D.C. for 15 years. There's a large part of Washington, D.C. called Chinatown. Not, not really anything Chinese about it. Some really dirty old soup kitchens, but it's where the hockey team plays and it's a hopping part of town. Chinatown was where Joe Biden apparently kept his classified documents. In case you're wondering if you're living inside of like a, a movie script, like a poorly written one at that, like an, a, a Marvel style movie script where they sort of got to be like it's low IQ and they got to be like really in your face about what's going on in the plot. Joe Biden kept his documents in Chinatown. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it 
a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. He lied about it. Now they're investigating. They're, they're dragging in people from Joe Biden's orbit to try and suss out what those lies are. Oh, my, my, my. Listen to this. While everybody was talking about Trump getting arrested, we found out that Biden houses classified documents in Chinatown. Guess who Biden told to put his classified documents in Chinatown? Hunter's old assistant, Kathy Chung, who now just flipped on the big guy. So unless Joe kept his Corvette in Chinatown, we really hope they were safe in Chinatown. I mean, there wouldn't be any spies in Chinatown, right? Don't worry. Nancy said it was safe. To say to everyone, we should come to Chinatown. Precautions have been taken by our city. Uh, we know that there's a concern tourism traveling all throughout the world, uh, but we think it's very safe to be in Chinatown. Well, we looked at the map and it looks like Biden put his classified documents next to a Chinese buffet. Uh, excuse me, are you all out of General Sal's chicken? I'm only seeing General Milley's new codes on the menu. You know what? I'll just have the Peking docks. Biden's just been caught transporting our top secrets all over the place. Boxes of documents went from the White House to the UPenn Biden Center to Chinatown which we're now just finding out about, to Delaware, to Boston. So what is the breaking news here, ladies and gentlemen, from the New York Post? President Biden's former assistant contradicted the White House claims the classified documents discovered in Biden's post-vice presidency D.C. office past November were locked in a closet and revealed the White House sought to quietly retrieve the papers, House Oversight Committee James Comer said Tuesday. So they are lying now. Comer added in a statement that Chung who is now flipped on Joe Biden. Joe Biden, the same man who was never president, by the way. This is a man who was vice president. He has no plenary power to classify or declassify. He has no power to ever handle a classified document. That power comes from the executive embodied in a man who at that time was named Barack Obama. Chung sat for an interview with the panel, provided startling information that undermines the Biden White House's narrative on the matter. Today, we learned when Joe Biden left the vice presidency, boxes containing classified documents, vice presidential records and other items were stored in different locations around Washington, D.C. Some were in Chinatown. Hmm. Now, a lot of people have uh, posited that perhaps this is because uh, Joe Biden has a very close relationship with China and that there were plenty of Chinese spies uh, LARPing as janitors inside of the Penn Biden Center who would come in and, you know, make sure that they cleaned the bottom drawer three down on the right, and they'd get the information that they need. Here's James Comer talking about this bombshell revelation. I saw something today that you deposed one of Joe Biden's little assistants, Ms. Chung, and asked her about how she was squirreling documents all over D.C. What did you learn about Biden hiding classified documents? 
Yeah, we learned a lot today. And remember, there are two investigations oversight committee uh, that George, Jim Jordan's on as well uh, that we're conducting Joe Biden, the influence peddling and also his mishandling of classified documents. We brought Kathy Chung in today for a transcribed interview. And I want to thank Ms. Chung publicly for working and cooperating with our committee and answering questions. We learned a lot. First of all, we learned uh, that uh, the documents didn't just uh, start mysteriously moving around in December of 2022 or November of 2022, like the White House has alleged, she said this dates back to May of 2022, that the documents were moved from the vice presidency to at least three different locations in a personal vehicle. No. And why they were in three different locations, we don't know. They weren't stored behind any lock. One of the locations was in Chinatown. Chinatown. Another location was in the Penn Biden Center, which might as well have been Chinatown by looking at where their money was coming from. And that the White House has never been honest with the American people. Shakalaka. Got him. Boom. Roasted. Got him. So, yes, the jokes are there. Yes, the campy scooby-doo style script is all there yes joe biden kept his classified documents inside of chinatown literally chinatown in washington dc uh peter schweitzer who is one of the best investigative reporters uh, a, a man who actually authored the pandora's box piece that we just talked through uh is saying this isn't good for joe biden he's already under federal investigation for this management and as we understand the parallel investigations in Congress go forward. Of course, there's no leaks out of the feds for this. But as the parallel investigations go forward in Congress, it's going to be harder and harder to the, for the feds and the deep state to mop this mess up for their boy, Biden. Why would you put classified documents in Chinatown, Peter? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I mean, I lived in Washington, D.C. for many years. I have no idea. I have no idea why they had him at the Biden Penn Center. Uh, that's not a place you should be keeping this stuff. You have foreign delegations that are coming all the time. You have visitors. Uh, it's an enormous problem. And I think what we're seeing, Jesse, is a merging of the sort of Hunter Biden story, the Biden family story, as it relates to China money, and now this question of these classified documents. And unfortunately, they look like they're converging theoretically in Beijing. We play it almost every single show. We believe it is one of the most important 60 seconds that you can possibly watch. It is the Cooperstown video, all-star Hall of Fame video of Joe Biden looking directly down the barrel of the camera from Fox News at the Iowa State Fair of all places affair that I'm very familiar with, saying I never had any, any interaction with my son Hunter about business. Now, we'll put we'll put the Marco Polo article up for you right here. It's such a detailed report. It's impossible to really go through uh, in an hour long show. We should probably do a long series on this report. But what this report details is over 450 federal crimes broken by not just Hunter Biden, of course, but by Joe Biden inside of the Biden laptop, which we know the FBI has had access to since 2019. This is such a sophisticated and detailed report. It is a firsthand report showing signed documentation of not dozens, but hundreds of federal crimes you will not get a more detailed and sophisticated breakdown 
of Biden criminality than this report. The work has been done for you. So just keep this in mind and please check it out, especially as you watch this next clip. The gold medal, really, of the psychopathic, truly degenerate lying that Joe Biden goes through in his staring into all the cameras of the corporate press and saying, I never had any interaction with my son and his business dealings. More importantly, look at Trump. Ask the right questions. Ooh, man. Watch. Mr. Vice President, how many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business And so how do you know? Oh, yeah, here's what I know. I know Trump deserves to be investigated. He is violating every basic norm of a president. You should be asking him the question, why is he on the phone with a foreign leader trying to intimidate a foreign leader? If that's what happened, that appears what happened. You should be looking at Trump. Trump's doing this because he knows I'll beat him like a drum. And he's using the abuse of power and every element of the, the of presidency to try to do something to smear me. Everybody looked at this and everybody's looked at it and said there's nothing there. Ask the right question. Ask the right question. It's called the wrap-up smear. When you've done something criminally, you accuse your opponent of doing the same thing. Then you scream at the corporate press, who's in your pocket, who is Soros-funded or China-funded, to go after them and to just print it. Yesterday, I went to the supermarket to pick up something for my wife on my way home. She needed some food for the kids, and I picked up a rotisserie chicken at the supermarket. As I was walking through the checkout line, I looked at the front of the New York Times and the Washington Post, which are distributed down here along with the Tampa Bay Times, and every single headline was the same. Trump indicted on 34 felonies. Can't you see it? 34, one million felonies. Every headline was the same. This was the goal. The goal was the headline to reach midwits and low information voters independents, Chardonnay moms, to try and get into that mush brain of theirs and say, Donald Trump's a criminal. They got their headline. It's all they wanted. They know this is going to be thrown out. They know all of this is garbage. They know this is going to destroy the system. And that's not the bug. That's the feature. It's the feature of Marxism. There is a man who's been warning about this, a man in the wilderness, who's been warning about this for quite some time, a man who we see as a uh, uh, as close to uh, as we you can get it really as a political prophet in our time, somebody that we've followed for years and has been an inspiration to us, and we're honored to have him join the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Cernovich. A man calling out in the wilderness. Thank you, Mike, for being on the program. You've had some bangers on your Substack. It's an honor to have you. I'd like to talk through them, starting with your breakdown of Donald Trump's indictment, which, uh, uh, you know, based on all of our readings, uh, is the finest sort of dissection of this abomination, this like legal abortion, uh, for lack of a better term, what they brought against Donald Trump. 
Yeah, that's something that the MSNBC and other legal commentators didn't want to talk about. And what happened is I was actually on vacation in Big Bear. And when this indictment came out, I thought, man, I don't have time to read 34 accounts. I'm on vacation with my kids. And then I go, okay, I'll just open it. And I opened it and I kept scrolling and I go, oh, they just copied and pasted this paragraph from here, from here, from here. I guess I'll go ahead and read it for five minutes because that's about how long it's going to take it. So what they've done is a classic example of how the media becomes the propaganda agent for the government because the case isn't weak or the case rather is weak, but they want to make it look strong. So they go 34 counts because that's a good headline. But when you look at the actual indictment, it's just, okay, here's another date. And then he got a check and then the check was bookkeep this way. And then the check was bookkeep that way over and over and over again for 34 paragraphs, which tells you it's weak. Because when you have a strong case, you lead strong. So for example, if you're in a district where it isn't a Soros prosecutor, if someone goes up to someone and shoots them in the head and commits murder, that person is charged with first degree murder. They don't say, oh, it's a 25 count indictment, first degree murder. Then he kicked the guy's car door open. Then he you know, unloaded the gun one time. So therefore that was an unlawful discharge of a firearm. And then you don't have a 24 count indictment. You just say he committed murder. It was a very serious crime. If you commit bank robbery, bank robbery. So in this case, it's 34 counts because that's the only way that you can make it look sizzling for the headlines. And usually it would just be one charge. Here's what he did. He's accused of unlawfully accounting for an expense, which it's like laughable, right? Literally, as, as I thought that to say it, I felt stupid because I, I feel stupid that we have to talk about this. I feel like it's like beneath us. Sort of like like I wrote in that Substack that this should be like funny, like okay, this this is what they got. It was like when Maddow, remember Maddow had said she found Trump's tax returns this was years <laughs> <Yeah>. ago, <laughs> and everybody's waiting, and it turned out Trump made fifty million that year or something, and you know, we just all felt kind of dumb. We we thought we had something good. The le- the left felt kind of dumb, and in, in this instance with this indictment, I feel like this is something Michael Avenatti would have brought. We all would have had a good laugh at it. Trump's lawyers would have won, just like Stormy Daniels has had to pay him hundreds of thousands of dollars for previous lawsuits. Everybody would have got a good chuckle. Ha, ha, ha. It's pretty funny. But it's not funny. As I, as I discussed in the piece, it's not funny because this shows that Soros-funded prosecutors, they'll just charge anybody for anything, and they don't care. And they'll bleed you dry on legal expenses. So if you're Trump, you can afford the legal fees associated with this case. How many people who have a conservative podcast can afford 500,000 to $1.5 million to defend themselves against false criminal allegations, which is, which is what it costs. Right? So that was the real target of this indictment. Was it Trump? It was to say, Hey, do you have a kid? Do you have mortgage? Do you have bills to pay? Do you have a $10 million legal defense fund set aside? Well, maybe you ought to think twice before you support Trump in 2024 and that enrage, enrage, enrages me, and I think enrages everyone of good faith. You said that this, and you just defined it right there, is a tantamount to terrorism. Can you unpack that? Sure. If we were talking about El Salvador, because the El Salvador president is actually arresting criminals, they would say he's using state violence. He's using the police, right? Because the definition of terrorism is you're using violence to achieve a political end. Now, what a lot of people don't understand is that violence includes the illicit use of state violence. So if you're a prosecutor and there's a prosecution happening in Austin, Texas, with Daniel Perry, that's quite disturbing, too, that is finally getting 
a little bit more attention so people can understand what's going on. These prosecutions are happening across the country. So if you're Alvin Bragg and you want to manipulate a political outcome in 2024, both by one, trying to prevent Donald Trump from appearing on the ballot and from being able to win because of the indictment, and then two, to prevent people from supporting him who might otherwise, and you're using state violence, then I've asked everybody, explain to me why that isn't terrorism. And people go, oh, well, it's not. Well, okay, the definition, though, is you're using state violence, illicit state violence to achieve a political end. Alvin Bragg has admitted that he wanted to go after Trump. The attorney general of New York had admitted that she ran under the platform of finding something for Trump, and then she went after the CFO of a Trump organization. So there's no good faith argument that the prosecution is not intended to achieve a political end. Of course it is. It is. So then the question is, is violence being used? Yes. If you are using force of law to arrest people who are innocent, then you're using violence. And then is that violence illicit? Yes. Because anybody, even even McCabe is on CNN, right? The the weird thing about this is that if you're the, the left and you're a legal analyst, you can't tell the truth, which is what I'm saying. I would just say th- the case is dumb. This is a disgrace. We need to go after Trump for real things because this delegitimizes the entire system. This is a problem. But they can't say that. So instead they go, oh, well, this is disappointing. Or there was even a clip of someone who said he called it relatively trivial. And then Nicole Wall- Nicole Wallace said, I might have saw that in you, and Al- you or Alex's feed where, and then Nicole Wallace goes, oh, you're calling it trivial? And then the man saw his TV appearance contract disappear before his eyes. He goes, no, 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 no. I didn't call it trivial. She goes, but I wrote down to call it trivial. He goes, I didn't mean that though. I didn't mean that. Not, not trivial, but it is. So it's either fake, but if, it, if you're us, it's fake and it's clearly fake. If you're a rational objective lawyer, it's fake. If you're the left, it's either trivial or a major disappointment. But nobody's saying this is a strong case that has real power, that this is what's going to finally bring down the orange man. I find it interesting that you use the word terrorism, and it harkened me back to Ba'athist Iraq because 20 years ago, almost to the month, was when the Iraq war was launched by the George W. Bush administration claiming that we don't do the kind of things that Saddam Hussein does, which is namely lock up political prisoners, uh, take out vengeance on political dissidents that we don't like, um, put people in jail or charge them without any type of underlying crime being committed. Committing terrorism, actually, right, is the reason why we went into Iraq and Afghanistan, because we were going to fight the terrorists. And now it seems like that exact same regime is trying to do the same thing, but now on the American people and their political opponents, are we Ba'athist Iraq? Well, or for the liberals, how how is this different than we claim that Navani is, is imprisoned by Putin, right? Oh, so Russia indicts a political opponent, and there's every documentary, Apple TV. You can't escape the propaganda. Right. And by the way, maybe the guy didn't deserve to be indicted. Maybe he didn't. Um, Probably he didn't. But everywhere you look, it's Putin is indicting his political opponent. He put his political opponent in jail. This is why we have to support Ukraine, defense of democracy, the rules based order. We have to go to war with Russia. We have to risk a nuclear war because Putin imprisons his political opponents. Like, okay, bro, then this is your argument. This isn't mine. Right. That's when, when I try to argue with people. The or when I make my arguments, I don't say, well, what's Benny and Alex going to like? What's our people? What do they, what do they want to hear? I think, and maybe this is why some people like my analysis is I, I just think this is what you on the left have said, right? This isn't me. 
This isn't my views. You've told me that Putin is a war criminal and that he's a demagogue and that he's a dictator because he imprisons his political opponents. Okay. Well, you're trying to imprison your political opponent on trumped up charges. So we have to go to war with Putin, but you're here in the U.S. trying to use the same tactics that you say are worth risking World War III over. So you, you, have, you have to explain that they can't. And their brains spiral out of control because there's no real way to defend it. I mean, a number of people remember this. I don't know if you were around back then, but I made a lot of people mad because I said when Trump was elected, I said, I think Trump should just pardon Hillary and move forward. And a lot of people got mad. And I said, no, no, here's why. You pardon them, you move forward. First of all, you pardon her because it would infuriate her because she would say, how dare you pardon me? I never did anything wrong. So one is it would be like a fun thing to do that would just be all upside. Two, you don't indict your political opponents. You know, it's a good it's a good campaign slogan, but you don't do that. And the people go, well, no one's above the law. Sure. Nobody's saying Hillary, you know, if you think Donald Trump committed a, a murder, then, yeah, this is obviously different. But if you have to go to bookkeeping errors, then we have a problem. So the issue is that all of us know that you cooperate with law enforcement, right? You should. It's the right thing to do because we have trust. You know, OK, it's going to be a rough ride. You might not get what you think is fair. You might get railroaded on occasion. But on balance, people know that you cooperate with the system because it isn't completely lawless. Once you take away that norm, that view, then very dangerous for everyone, for Americans, very dangerous for law enforcement who we all respect. It's a very, very, very big problem. So you don't ever want to delegitimize the legal system in the way that the Democrats are doing. So what exactly is the moral equivalency between the current regime here in America and Putin's regime in Russia? And it does seem as though the same tactics are being used. It's perhaps more elegant what they're doing here than the heart, than sort of the hammer and nail in Russia. But it seems as though the era of spreading democracy around the world is over. Yeah, we don't have any more legitimacy. We have power. We have nuclear weapons. We have military might, although with the military, that's declining. But we don't have moral legitimacy for the rest of the world. So what we can do now is we can still bully people with military power for how much longer, we don't know. But how do you explain to someone in China, this is another thing that all these experts on foreign policy don't think about, which is what I think about. And, and we all have to think about, right? Even just you as a public figure, me as a micro public figure, you you know, you have to think there's just certain things, like I try not to cuss, you know, even though in private I might, because I'm trying not to, you know, you're, you're trying to, to have a little bit of, of decency, right? You're trying to uh, set a pretty good example, even though it doesn't always work. And I'm not claiming anybody's holier than thou, let alone me. But you just you have to think about that. And if you're the United States of America dictating uh, foreign policy or directing foreign policy, you have to think, how is this going to look to a person in China or a person in Taiwan or in El Salvador or in Russia or in Ukraine or anywhere in the world? How does it look like we have moral authority when you because you can say, oh, no one's above the law. What we're proving is no one's above the law. Well, sure, then you have to come with the fire indictment. Right. If your claim is Trump is not above the law, we audited him and he's a tax cheat and he's he owes hundreds of millions of dollars. And here's the tax returns. And you can just see his tax returns were all fake, which, by the way, we know he's the most audited person in history. So think about it. You're telling the world that we've investigated this guy for seven years. 
And we found that he committed some bookkeeping errors that if they're that are actually less than Hillary Clinton and what she did with how she funded the Steele dossier. And they classified that as a legal expense and it wasn't. And the FEC, the Federal Elections Commission, concluded there was a violation which she admitted to. So Hillary Clinton isn't going to be indicted for doing what Trump did, allegedly did, but at a grander scale, which and what Hillary Clinton did was worse and more overt. So what's the logic? So for me, if you want more legitimacy, you indict Hillary and then you indict Trump for the same things. And you say, look, we're not playing favorites. And if you did that, I would honestly say, well, I think both cases are horse crap. But I can respect I can respect that. I wouldn't agree with it. I would think it was a bad case. But I could say, you know what? I get it. You're just a law and order hard ASS, right? Because we all know that there are people that are just stricter than others. And then we could go, well, this guy's just he's crazy, man. If you go in New York and you commit a crime, you're in big trouble. Hillary Clinton, Trump, it doesn't matter. But then meanwhile, if you're a bodega owner defending yourself from a stabbing, you get indicted. Yeah. But if you're the guy doing the stabbing, you get released. If you're on the subway beating up people, you get released. If you're Hillary Clinton, nothing happens. But if you're Trump and you do some bookkeeping errors, it's a 34-count felony indictment. Anarcho-tyranny, uh, the, the pendulum will swing. So the pendulum will swing back as hard as it can until it breaks. This pendulum has been swinging for about – for 20 years, as, as early as I've been following politics. And one side gets a little more extreme and one side gets a little more extreme and eventually it's going to break. And what you're seeing now is Republican DAs saying, well, this is going to be quite easy to charge Joe Biden with a long litany of crimes. Are you in favor of that tactic? What do you think? How is this going to end? Yeah, I, I go I go before. Um, so I feel both ways. On the one hand, every scientific study, all human nature, if you have kids, if you raise kids, it's tit for tat. There's this perversion of Christianity that permeates a lot of conservative thought where they go, well, we can't do that. They're doing it to us, but we can't do that because that, like, we're going to take the high road. And then it's like, well, then why are you in Congress? You know, like, why are you in political office? Go be a monk. And, and I say that with all, all sincerity. Go go be a monk. That, that's a great calling. I, or, I ordered the icons from a, from a monastery, uh, uncut uh, wood company. I, I read books by monks and the Desert Fathers. Go be a monk. I would love to read your books on fasting, prayer, liturgy. I would love to read that. Don't run for Congress, so don't become a Congress. And then play this, oh, or we can't do that because Christianity says, Christianity doesn't say go run for Congress. So if you want to go down this like rabbit hole, then we can go down there and we can have that debate, you know, because that's not what Christianity says. So if Christianity says that I'm going to run for office, I'm going to achieve elective office, I'm going to let everyone be persecuted unjustly, unjustly by demons, Hmm. We can't do anything about it because Christianity, but I'm not going to go be a monk. I'm going to be an elected official. I have a problem with that. So one is you have to. You have to. Tit for tat. You have to. If they indict you, then you have to indict one of theirs. You have to, or you will be destroyed. Hmm. The reason you do tit for tat is because if you actually retaliate, then it's like hitting a bully. People go, okay, there's actually a price to pay. So if, if we indict them, they're going to indict us. And now it's a mutually assured destruction scenario, which is why we've never had a nuclear war. You have nukes. I have nukes. Mutually assured destruction says that you launch them. We launch all of ours. The whole world ends and we've never had nuclear war. And then some people have even concluded, uh, I believe this myself, as scary and dangerous as nukes are to many people. Look at how many people died in World War II and World War I, the Civil War. 
we haven't had a big war like that because we, we have all the nukes. So the, the wars have been much less violent and much less destructive post-nuclear war. So in a way, nuclear wars make the world safer because you know that if you're in, you're all in. Hmm. There's no little stuff. And that's, of course, why maybe our messing with Ukraine is a bigger problem. So, yeah, you have to do tear for tap. Then you won't de delegitimize the system because then everybody realizes, okay, let's just go after real criminals. But that isn't happening. Again, they're, they're not being hard but law and order people who arrest everyone. It's like you go here. I mean, we all knew that teacher, right? Just if you look at it different from school. If you talked out of turn detention, chew gum detention, you get up for a drink of water without your palm slip detention, you know, and you didn't like it, but it was fair. It wasn't like you got detention, Benny, but these three other favorite kids didn't get detention, right? You just knew, okay, man, that's just the way it is. And you can respect that because you understand there's predictability for the rule of law to work. You have to have fundamental to due process, what notice and opportunity to be heard. Notice means that, Hey, if you do X, Y is going to happen. But we don't. We have a completely lawless thing where it matters only not what you do, but what political party you're associated with. So your journey as a as a father and your journey as a husband and your journey as a Christian has been fascinating to follow. You're one of the only people that really calls out the spiritual elements happening in our culture today. You use terms like satanic and demonic on your Twitter feed, which, by the way, we, let's put up. Mike's Twitter feed here. Everyone go needs to – if you don't already, you must follow Cernovich. Um, but you aren't shy about using terminology like that, and you just referenced that. Um, how much of what we're dealing with here is a spiritual battle? Yeah, I used to laugh at that kind of stuff, right? Sort of roll your eyes. Oh, gosh, you know, these weirdos, especially in the, the 80s, the moral, the moral majority. The I always thought those people were kind of weird. But eventually, and, and you know, weird maybe is right, but weird can have a good connotation too, which is if you're living in this world and you're not weird, then something is very wrong. And a lot, a lot of you know, reading C.S. Lewis and others have got me more into the to sing below the veil, which is it goes like this: the demons they just they hate humanity, they hate God's creation. All the demons want us to do is fight. They don't care who the side is. They'll use you. They'll give you power. They'll give you glory if they can use you to harm other people. That's all that is anti-humanism. So the secular term for that would be anti-humanism, hmm. or some people would call it transhumanism, although I think transhumanism is a different thing. It's just you're anti-human. So you take someone like George Soros, and you would just say, what is the rational – a rational, secular, materialist explanation, take God out of it, take the spirit world out of it. Why would someone want to elect a prosecutor who will release violent criminals into the street? Explain that to me. How is that like more just and equitable for, for there to be more innocent people stabbed? Explain that to me. And they can't. They literally, they can't explain, explain it on logic. But they all want to do it. And they all chant bail reform, criminal justice reform, progressive prosecutors. Waukesha massacre in Wisconsin, that happened because a Soros supporter prosecutor in his office let out a violent criminal. And if you look back at the Twitter feed, because I went and found the stuff right away, the prosecutor who was in that county was a supporter of Chelsea Bowden in San Francisco. So they were all, they're all in this together. right? So you have to just say, what's your rational, secular, materialist explanation for why you should allow violent criminals, 
who have committed crimes to leave jail and to harm other people. They can't. They can't. Even even my Democrat in-laws can't. They, they change the subject because they go, well, I don't vote for that. And I go, well, I remember when Trump was in office and every time he did something, I'd hear about it from you guys. So welcome to tit for tat. So you get to hear about it every time. And I'm going to tell you support everything he does because, when, you know, that's what I heard about for four years. Oh, Trump did this and you support that. OK, well, Democrats are letting criminals out. I don't support. Sure, you do. You voted for it, though. Right. You voted for it. So you once you interrogate that as a rationalist, you realize, well, there is no rational explanation for it. So then what's the explanation? Well, George Soros is a rational man. He knows how to make money to manipulate currencies. So he's he's clearly a rational person who knows what he's doing. And there's no rational explanation for what he's doing. So then why would they be doing this? Demons, evil. They're, they're serving evil. They want crime in the streets. They want more violence. They want more stabbings. This is all stuff that they support on a spiritual level. And then even people who maybe don't think that they support that, they have been brainwashed and support it downstream. So you you look at that as just as a rash. I always tell people, I go, look, think I'm crazy. It doesn't really matter. You know, I've been called worse. Just explain to me rationally what these Soros prosecutors are doing. And they can't. Okay, but demons are crazy. Well, I think it's crazy to let psychos out of prison to to stab people. I think it's crazy that Bob Lee in San Francisco, a, a well-beloved tech executive, left his hotel room for whatever reason late at night and he got stabbed to death. I think that's crazy. I think someone driving their van into a Christmas parade. I think that's crazy. I think that's way crazier than demons, right? Yes. If, if we want to talk about what's crazy – then you, I think that's way more crazy. I think it's crazy that there's a man in Austin, Texas, currently on trial, and he may be convicted. We don't know yet. Where he he's driving an Uber, pulls into the wrong lane. Suddenly he's surrounded by rioters. They're pounding on his car, and he has an AK-47 pointed at his face, and he shoots the guy in self-defense, and he's on trial for murder now. And that's happening in Austin, Texas. Even though the police who investigated the case said no, we think it was clear clear-cut self-defense. I think that's crazy. I think it's crazy that Austin, Texas is a safe haven for violent criminals, but that if you have people around your car and you have an AK-47 in your face, you have to think, oh, I, I just hope they don't shoot me. You know, I just hope they don't shoot me, even though I'm in a Soros County where this is allowed. I hope they won't. Okay, I'll just trust that the guy with the gun in my face has no ill intent, even though people are banging on my car and screaming at me. I just hope they won't. Right. That's crazy. That's way crazier than talking about demons. Truly. And, and everything – once you put it in that context, especially as Christians, everything starts to make sense in the world around you. Everything sort of aligns and locks into place and you can actually see the spirit world as it's ever existed because humanity is the story of Cain and Abel and the Tower of Babel, men trying to be gods and trying to defy God uh, since the dawn of time. Final question for you, Mike. Your metamorphosis on Trump over the last week or so has been interesting to watch. I wanted to ask you because you were quite open saying that Donald Trump should not run in 2024 and he's not the man for the moment. And then over the last uh, couple of days, you seem to have you, – you're, you're pivoting a little bit. And tell me, where, where, what do you see strategically right now on the map for Trump? Has your opinion on him changed? Well, my opinion – Personally, in my heart is maybe often different than what I express and what I think is the the right choice, right? I try to 
I try to give advice, not based on what I want or what I think is best for me, but for what I think is the realistic place. So let's take someone like DeSantis, who I admire, competent governor, understands the nitty gritty of policy, would bring in his real team. I think you need the establishment to win the general because it's going to be fought and all, it's going to be all these legal battles. So the political the political battle isn't really it. In 2024, it's going to be the legal battle. And I don't know that a lot of lawyers who are competent to do that are going to want to represent Trump because we can because of that substack I wrote, because you might get disbarred. You might end up like John Eastman, where you have to defend yourself for giving a legal opinion, which is a, absurd. It's a disgrace. It's, again, unheard of. And I need to write about that. And I need to talk about that more. There's, that's a problem. Benny. There's so much stuff happening that as we talk, I go, wait, I haven't even talked about John Eastman's thing hardly. And I should. He gave a legal opinion that every lawyer does and didn't tell you what to do. A lawyer doesn't tell you what to do. A lawyer says, OK, here's what you want to do, Benny. You need to pay your taxes. Um, if you don't pay your taxes, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. And then you, you got to do what you got to do, though. And you can't go, I'm going to disbar that lawyer because he told Benny it was possible not to pay his taxes. You just, that, that's what they're doing with Eastman. Eastman said, here's here's a way to have a second group of electors. And, you know, this is the constitutionality of it. Maybe you went in court. Maybe you don't. Here's your memo. That's literally what lawyers do every day. There's nothing in there that should lead someone to be disbarred. But, you know, John Eastman, I actually knew who he was for years. He's a very well-respected constitutional law professor. I knew of him when I was even in law school 20 years ago or 15 years ago, whatever. So he is facing disbarment. So then how many lawyers can represent Trump knowing this might be your last rodeo? Jeffrey Clark was a well-compensated, well-respected lawyer at Kirkland and Ellis. He went and worked in the White House for a little bit. And now, you know, now where is he? This happened with Alberto Gonzalez, by the way, who was the attorney general under Bush. He has some troubles, too. But with Trump, it's all of that times 10. So for me, that's where I'm thinking DeSantis, you know, people might not like that he has some establishment connections, but you're going to need establishment connections for the reasons I just articulated. You're going to need lawyers who know that they can represent you and not be disbarred. And you need lawyers to represent you who know that this isn't their last rodeo and that their their career is over after this. You need you need that. So that's the case for DeSantis for other things. But then. With Trump being indicted, if you like DeSantis, admire him, want him to succeed, you would say, well, what's your upside in this? You're not going to win the primary against a president facing farcical charges. This is this goes against every understanding of human nature. The Remember, we didn't get to see Bin Laden's body because as evil as he was, that could create him as a martyr, right? Mm -hmm. Trump isn't evil like Bin Laden. So they're creating a martyr out of someone who – I'm not making the comparison. Some people have, uh, you know, the week of Lent, although I know that they're doing it tongue in cheek. So I'm not going to make those kind of comparisons. But we can say that, you know, Trump falls somewhere in the spectrum between not evil like bin Laden and not Jesus Christ. Right. So he's somewhere somewhere in the middle and they're martyring him. So if you're DeSantis, how do you beat a martyr? You don't. So then why run and get bloody your nose? What's your, what's your real upside here if you can't win? and you're running against a martyr, and you're a beloved governor with a great career ahead of you. So had these indictments not happened, then I think DeSantis should have run, and I think it would have been an interesting primary, and it would be worth the scrap. But nothing about human nature and the history and what we just know tells you that you can beat a righteous martyr. And, and a, there's, no, there's no path to that. So you have to be realistic if you admire DeSantis, as I do. Hmm.
you yourself are a bit of a monk political philosopher of our time and a bit of a prophet. You must follow Cernovich's work. Here's his Twitter handle once more. And then we will also put up a link to the Substack. Subscribe. It will be if you don't subscribe already to a Substack, this is the one to get you started. Cernovich's Substack is not to be missed. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for being on the program. Uh, deeply, deeply appreciate it and hope that you will join us again soon. My pleasure. Be well, guys. It's cool. Yeah, you know, what, what's neat is getting to meet your heroes and then uh, to find out that they're not like the scum of the earth because <laughs> that happens to a lot of people, right? You, you like you, you see some actor or musician in a parking lot that you followed for a long time and they're a jerk to you or they're mean or they don't give you the time of day or they take it out of my face or they run over your foot with their car. Uh, it's great to have Cernovich, who have followed and respected his work for so long, finally on the program and to just kind of sit back and be in awe and be blown away. Just great. Such a font of wisdom. Uh, a move that is a bit of a, a bit, a move that is definitely, I think, wise and amazing is that another very smart man and somebody who speaks a lot of truth, RFK Jr., is now running officially against Joe Biden for presidency. RFK announced last evening that he is now officially running for president as a Democrat. This is a big deal because he's going to get a lot of media attention. He is, of course, the son of Robert F. Kennedy, the attorney general under John F. Kennedy. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. officially challenging President Joe Biden for the Democrat nomination. Kennedy is 69 years old. He filed a statement of candidacy Wednesday with the Federal Elections Commission, according to the Associated Press. He's the son of Robert F. Kennedy, as we have just said, uh, who was assassinated in California in 1968 during his run for the presidency. Boy, oh boy, wouldn't we be interested in finding out more? Kennedy is the nephew of John F. Kennedy, who was assassinated in Dallas. Kennedy also said that the CIA uh, killed his uncle. Biden has yet to officially announce his re-election campaign, but was, has indicated that he does plan to run for a second term. This will not mark the first time that somebody from the Kennedy clan has challenged a sitting Democrat president. Ted Kennedy ran against Jimmy Carter in 1980, you could, you may recall. Carter was plagued with low approval and a sluggish economy. Biden has the same confluence of issues uh, dogging him. In March, Kennedy began teasing his presidential bid. Uh, it looks like I can raise money and mobilize enough people to win. I'm going to jump in the race. Kennedy has also been fixated on Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci's criminality, uh, Dr. Fauci, of course, pushing bad science and has been one of the absolute champions for bodily autonomy, for the government, uh, the Orwellian level of government interceding in our lives, and in our health. And so... Ladies and gentlemen, God bless RFK. We deeply uh, uh, look forward to his presidential run. And I'll tell you this, I'll have him on the show as soon as we possibly can. I'd love to have him on the program. He has been on Tucker Carlson's show. Uh, we do have his announcement news clip here. Uh, take it away. 
Fox News alert. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is running against Joe Biden for the Democratic presidential nomination. RFK is the nephew of President John F. Kennedy and son of Senator Robert F. Kennedy. Biden versus Kennedy. How's it going to play out? The last time a Kennedy challenged an incumbent was back in 1980. Ted Kennedy ran against Jimmy Carter. Carter ended up winning the nomination, but the damage was done. And Reagan wiped the floor with Jimmy and the general. Ladies and gentlemen, also, we have breaking news here, uh, breaking literally while we were doing our interview with Cernovich, uh, that the Biden administration, that the Biden administration, uh, well, effectively the Biden administration, uh, the New York uh, District Attorney's Office has been subpoenaed. Wow. Judiciary GOP Chairman Jim Jordan subpoenaed Mark Pomerantz, who resigned from the Manhattan District Attorney Office last year over Alvin Bragg's initial reluctance to move forward with the indictment of Donald Trump. So now they are beginning to subpoena for an official deposition. These are sworn in depositions. If you lie in them, you go to prison. Uh, today, the House Judiciary Chairman, let's read a section of it, subpoenaed New York Special Assistant District Attorney Mark Pan- Mark. Pomerantz to appear before the committee as deposition. Special Assistant District Attorney Pomerantz led the investigation into President Donald Trump's finances before resigning in protest after Manhattan uh, Alvin Bragg's initial reluctance to move forward with charges. Pomerantz publicly criticized Bragg for failing to be aggressively prosecute Donald Trump and wrote a memoir describing his eagerness to investigate President Trump. A lot of okay, now I see what they're doing here. A lot of that memoir was what was used effectively to go forward with his prosecution. It was this is the publishing of this book, which is what led to this now to snowball. The Manhattan DA's office acknowledged that it used federal forfeiture funds to investigate Trump, including during Pomerantz's tenure. The committee is conducting oversight of Bragg's unprecedented prosecutorial conduct, considered the potential legislative reforms. So Bragg's using federal bucks. That means that Congress has jurisdiction and yo ass going to be sitting inside of a deposition chair. In Congress. Very good. Very good. Way to go. Finally, the subpoenas. Finally, the subpoenas have been issued. This is what Cernovich just talked about. Force with force. Having nuclear weapons actually makes the world a more peaceful place. They should fear that these same tactics will be used on them. So investigate, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Take these people, put them in cuffs, get the mugshots. Let's go. It's go time. This is how you save the country. And again, if you want to, if you, if you say that this isn't very Christian, then there's a lot of monasteries that you can join. This is politics. This is a war zone. This is a bloodbath. Politics is pain. And ladies and gentlemen, it's time for pain to be inflicted on the people who are really, really doing their best to destroy this nation. Wow. There's evil afoot. That is why we pray. And that is why we look to the truth. In times like these, we always share a Bible verse, a verse from the good book on our show, every single broadcast with good word today comes from the book of John. I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What a perfect verse for today. Take heart, have peace. You will have trials. There will be trials metaphorical, spiritual, literal. They will often be wrought and brought by forces of evil. That you are promised, but I have overcome the world. Ours is the victory. 
eyes set on the victory, ladies and gentlemen. Please subscribe to the show. Please subscribe to the podcast. It helps out more than you can imagine. Subscribing to our podcast, subscribing to our show helps us send you notifications. Make sure that we build this movement and that the work that we're doing here isn't missed. And more importantly, it is just a free way, one click away, a free way to just support us. It really does mean the world to us. Please, please, if you are watching the show and you appreciate it, subscribe. Ladies and gentlemen, we subscribe to a simple thing, and that is organizing our lives correctly. God, family, country. God, family, country. Organize your life thusly, and you will have peace and purpose, more importantly. Ladies and gentlemen, it's your boy, Benny. This is The Benny Show. See ya.